When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 364 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Rafa Eldamui from Mesquite Un Podcast. How's it going, Rafa? Everything's going great, Dan. Happy to be here once again. I want to talk about a lot of things that I know that we're going to get into, so I'm really happy to be here. And then uh, I'm just trying to look at the glass half full, Dan. I'll be honest. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. Stay positive. Well, I did promise on the show that came out less than 36 hours ago when I did a little bit on the Ansu Fati stuff, just talking about the, the catastrophizing of that, as well as we went over Lucy Bronze, the signing for Barca Femini, the right back, huge signing, as well as I guess Ferreira, which is another huge signing. Uh, she was the joint leading scorer for the, the Feminino division in Spain. So two big signings coming in for the Barca Femini just in the past week. I was excited about those. Yeah, and so that's what we kind of went over, plus the La Masia update that I do every six months or so. So a ton of names. I finally had to say the name, the 14-year-old Lamine Yamal. He'll be 15 very shortly. But I usually don't go that low. But the only reason I brought the name up, finally, you know, because every time, I think the last about two years, people in the comments were always, what about Lamine Yamal? He's lighting it up at the Infantile A or whatever it is. But he played with the Cadet A this season, which is the U16s. And once you get to the U16s, you are in striking distance, you know, again, <laughs> Ansu was 16, Pedro was 16, Gabi was 16. So these, these, these kids are rewriting what is 16, right? So even now a 15 year old, you know, in a month's time is a guy that has got to be a little bit on the radar. So the La Masia one, I usually in the past used to pick five 
who were breaking in, but that was a time before we saw all these players break in, right? That was a time when it was just Sergio Roberto and we're just pleading for Carlos Alenia to get in the first team. Ricky Puj was going to be the future someday. And it feels like a lifetime ago, but, but Rafa, we're actually not talking about any of the players who are in the team or in La Masia. That was the show from 36 hours ago, but it's been a month since you've been on. And basically a month ago, those and I checked back, you and I spoke about the Frankie de Young rumors. They were gaining a lot of steam at the time. Now, month, one month later, some economic levers have been approved. And here we sit with the same rumors from a month ago. And as we know with these types of things, when there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, if I'm going to give you a choice, do you want to start with the de Young stuff or do you want to start with the man who, in theory, Barca wants to replace him? I feel like we got to start with de Young. Let's start with Frankie because he's still our player. So I think I think that would be the best way. Let's start with what we currently have, which is Frankie de Young. Well, yeah, I mean, Frankie de Young, there was a piece. A lot of this stuff is going to be taken from a piece from Ryan O'Hanlon for ESPN, who compiled the numbers on Frankie de Young. Because we're at a point, Rafa, and before I go over the numbers, I'm going to throw it to you. You haven't said much here on the show. It's been a lot of me so far. So as far as de Young goes, Manchester United and Barcelona have been in direct contact today for Frankie de Young. Still no agreement on the fee. And Barcelona have told Man United they won't sell the, the Dutch midfielder for less than 30, uh, 30, <laughs> yeah, Man United wishes, 86 million euros. Barcelona, unsurprisingly, also reportedly want that as a full fee guaranteed up front. So no Liverpool installments. Like again, Barcelona is going to be playing paying for Liverpool and Coutinho until 2099. But yeah, so they want a fully, full guaranteed that with the fee. Um, and also again, because the league of rules state that again, they can't even use the player that they would, want to bring in if they don't have that that money coming in immediately as income to offset the salary limit in the league. So that's the boring part. But, you know, the neutrals, Rafa keeps saying that Frankie de Young, he's broken at Barcelona because he's a broke, not that he's broken, but Barcelona a broken club, therefore he's broken. And then they're saying, well, the only club that could want him is Manchester United, which is another quote unquote broken club. Now he's a player that at 25 can only go between these big, big broken clubs, if you will, being, I guess, Juve would be another one, the, the third in that holy trinity of, of clubs that were mismanaged in the ground for the last 10 years. Uh, any merit to that? No, I mean, the, the thing is, I honestly don't, I don't remember what I did yesterday, let alone a <laughs> month ago. I don't know exactly what I said about Frankie, but like right now, given these circumstances, how, in my opinion, Manchester United are lowballing Barcelona for Frankie Young. The thing is, if we do have to sell him because of economic reasons, that now one of the things that I remember a month ago, there weren't ever any levers activated or close to being activated. It was like, oh, we got to sell Frankie because of economic reasons. And that, like, yeah, there's been talks about those levers, but like the assembly hadn't happened yet, that nothing had been approved yet, yada, yada. Now the assembly happened. Everything was approved. Now Laporta and company have to put their hands and get their hands dirty and actually get that money. But I don't want to undersell Frankie de Jong. To me, it's preposterous, word of the day, that City are asking 80 million for Bernardo Silva, or close to that range, because, and then like, United are offering 60 for Frankie. And that's why I don't agree with that narrative that, oh, 
Frankie is a broken uh, broken toy slash player at Barcelona, so he can only go to a broken club like United. No, whether that could be half truth in the sense that, yeah, it's true that Frankie hasn't fulfilled his potential at Barcelona. We've talked about Frankie and that numerous times. You've talked this numerous times. Everybody has talked about this. What is Frankie the Young's perfect role of, at Barcelona? Does it exist? Does he need to be... Like, whatever, like interior, double pivot, lone pivot, whatever that may be. He hasn't played a bunch of games as a lone pivot, whatever. I'm not going to get into that specifically, but it would piss me off if we sell him for like 60 or 65. And because I know that when he goes to whether it's United or a Manchester City, whatever that may be, He's going to flourish because I think he has the talent. He's still only freaking 25 years old. To me, he's the mold of a younger Kevin De Bruyne in the sense physically, the way the his technical ability, the way he can progress with the ball, drive with the ball. So I know that if we sell him for a low fee, not taking into account his age, his great talent, his potential, then he's going to flourish at another club. And the narrative of Barcelona or anti-Barcelona people are going to be like, oh, look at Barcelona. Look what they had. They sold him for X amount of money, which is very cheap. And now look at him. He's flourishing again. That's the Ajax, the Frenkie de Jong from Ajax. So if we're going to sell him, I don't want to undersell him. If we're gonna, if we can only get 60, like for to put a, a number, then I'm sure we can still get 60 or 65 next season. So I might we might as well keep him if nobody's gonna offer it, in my opinion, what he's truly worth, yeah. which is close to a hundred. Like let, let's be real, freaking Chuameni. I know he could be really good and whatnot, but you can't convince me that Chuameni playing with Monaco is worth more than Frankie de Jong right now, given his cachet with the uh, Netherlands national team, with Barcelona, even though he hasn't fulfilled his ceiling. But to me, that you said, like, Chouameni being sold for more than Frankie de Jong, it's, to me, that's crazy. So if we're not going to get what we should be getting for him, if United aren't willing to go to, up to that sum, then in my opinion, I know his salary apparently goes up a ton, Yeah, and that's a whole different story because of the salary uh, salary limit. But if not, I, I honestly it would piss me off if we sold him for like 60 or 60 with uh, 70 with add-ons and whatnot. Well, I've been pretty hard on that line that I have believed for a while now that Frankie De Young leaving Barcelona would just come down to that salary limit and his wages and his weekly wages and what they are going to be in the future, because the club is in theory because of deferred payments stuck with PK Alba and Busquets as those high earners. And then Dembele, you know, part of why these contract negotiations are stuck where they are is because the salary he is currently at the wages he is currently at per week are unacceptable. And Barcelona would severely be lowering a player's wages who is entering in theory, his age prime. And so This, it's understandable why Dembele is stuck in this deadlock because they paid him a lot more than he was worth as he was becoming a budgeting player. And now he's not that. So for Frankie de Jong being 25, again, I, I think what he makes is fair, but what he makes in Barcelona's team moving forward, because again, we've already admitted that 
for all you can say about Frankie de Jong, there is a hierarchy that is already being established, as in a healthy Pedri is going to start over Frankie de Jong. Now, I know there's three spots in midfield, or you could argue is de Jong supposed to be the pivot or the right interior, right? And then Pedri's the other starter. Sure. But if there's an instance where on the mark of rotation, like we saw moments, there is, I, I'm trying to remember the exact game, but there was a game I remember doing the the five things or yeah, five things for the, the match reviews I did every week there where I said that Pedri, Gabi and Busquets, they had a performance together in that, in the heat of them doing the 15 unbeaten streak where that midfield trio looked like the best that we had seen this season at Barcelona, like those three together. And because of Gabi's age, and when I say age, I mean inconsistency at this point, but because of his inconsistencies and Pedri also getting hurt right away, that that three wasn't able to replicate that when Xavi put it back out, I think the following week, because it was a, a weekend game. And then the midweek for Europa League was De Young again. And that was the rotation, because, again, having midfielders to rotate is a great spot. And so when you look at what Kessier is going to make this season, when you look at what De Young is going to make this season, it makes a lot of sense to move forward in theory just with Kessier. If you believe that Pedri and Busquets and Gabi, plus maybe Nico or Kayata, whoever else is filling in, or, or B players, if you will, who are largely, as I said on, on Monday show, going to be U19 players. But let's get into the numbers, though, because again, Rafa, I'm almost having to, I said all that being the finance part of it, but I'm almost having to unhinge my brain because if those, econo- if those economic levers were not, uh, I, I say it like it's some kind of big, like, you know what I mean? Like uh, what you, when you start a roller coaster, yeah, yeah, but yeah. If, if that literal lever was not pulled, uh, was pulled and Frankie Young is still in discussion to leave the club, then now I have to take that sporting part seriously. And again, Ryan O'Hanlon from ESPN did a lot of the hard work for me putting all this together. Uh, as I had said last week with 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 Levon, who congrats to him, played at the Camp Nou, by the way. We'll have next time he's on, we'll, we'll be talking about that. So anyway, so per RB ref, De Jong, he has some worrying stats in terms of his numbers, uh, where in 11 games for in his last season with Ajax, he averaged, not average, but he registered 43 tackles and 11, uh, sorry, 43 tackles plus interceptions in 11 games. Then with Barcelona, he had 66 tackles and interceptions in 32 games, which is, yeah, not so good last season with that. But it's the percentiles that we're talking about. He ranks 81st in the 81st percentile among all midfielders for progressive passing and 94th percentile for progressive carries, which actually the progressive carries to me is a bit low. You'd think that he would be in the 98th or 99th percentile because progressive carries is De Jong. When De Jong was, what is it, seventh in the Ballon d'Or voting for Ajax, in that year, his progressive passing, I mean, his progressive carries were uh, 99th percentile at the time. And, you know, that's his claim to fame. But it's the defensive categories that, that O'Hanlon kind of brings up that are worrisome. For pressures per game, Barcelona, which even after Xavi came, which is November to June or November to May, were a pressing team, if you will. He was still in the third percentile, not 33rd, third percentile in pressures per game. He was in the eighth percentile for tackles, and he was in the 10th percentile for interceptions. And just for context for that kind of stuff, where Verratti is 98th percentile in both progressive passes and carries, 90th percentile for pressures, 85th for tackles. Conte is 90th percentile in passes, 94th percentile in carries, 61st in pressures, 73rd percentile for tackles, 77th for interceptions. Tiago Alcantara, 98th for carries, 59th for pressures, 90th for tackles, 88th for interceptions. So even Tiago Alcantara, who you know is not the best at pressuring, right? He fits in that Liverpool midfielder, but uh, midfield, but he is the one who gets covered from other midfielders who are doing the pressing for him. He's still in the 59th percentile. 
So for De Young to be in the third percentile, it's just, it's unbelievable. And then his off ball work being the key, right? His movement. That's why he's here, right? Created more non-penalty expected goals per shot than any other player in the top five leagues last season and number two in that category this year. So I, it's a lot of confusing numbers, but I'm a bit worried about that argument when you see those numbers and numbers on everything is the eye test too. You know, if Xavi doesn't believe that he's the pivot in the long term, if he doesn't believe that, and again, I'm agreeing with you that that number needs to be 85 or you walk away, right? If Man United is not willing to go, I mean, I can see 75 plus add-ons because that's what they bought him for. So if you can get exactly what you bought De Young for and get his wages, if you will, off the books, then you do that deal because that's the thing that, again, if Xavi, who will be around for a little while, he'll be around until De Young is 28 years old, 27 or maybe longer, 28, 20, who knows? And so if De Young is not your answer at the pivot because of those numbers, if Xavi is putting those numbers and his eye test equals those pressures and those tackles, those interceptions, and De Young isn't your pivot, then maybe it is time already to say, we have to just focus in the future on replacing Busquets, which is not this year because we can't afford getting rid of him. Busquets has to play as a starter. He's the, he's the highest earner on our team. We have De Young. I mean, Busquets, Busquets is our guy. And then if we can get a Bernardo Silva, who we'll do in a second, if you can get Pedri and Bernardo Silva in that midfield with Busquets, then, I mean, that's Xavi's vision, right? More so than a player who unfortunately might not fit. So as worrying as you are, as I would be about him as I think as a third center back, because I'd rather at this point, look, his numbers have him be the third center back and that puts Eric Garcia on the bench. But yeah, I mean, if you're just talking about De Young in a vacuum, you have to assume that, yeah, of course he's going to do better somewhere else because he may not be the fit that, that Xavi wants because Barcelona for a long time brought in players, Coutinho, Griezmann. I mean, even, even the likes of Arturo Vidal, I get it at the time. I get it. It made sense, but also in the same regard, like if Xavi wants to play a dogmatic way, he's going to need those players that perfectly fit that dogma. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. And I, I completely understand your entire point. And that's been the entire quote unquote problem with Frankie because he, before Xavi and then after Xavi, it is true that Xavi got in mid season so like it's not like Frankie has had a full preseason complete year from the get-go to understand the concepts that sometimes we seem to forget that even Gabi has been uh on the receiving end of critics uh because he quote-unquote doesn't know yet how to play in that interior role and I think Busquets there were some comments about Busquets too about Gabi so if Gabi who has been here longer than Frankie like in the La Masia and whatnot, is still like kind of struggling a little bit with, with the dogmatic way that Xavi wants his interiors to play, then I understand that if the right amount comes, then I would accept letting Frankie go because of, 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 of what you said. Like even, and, and Frankie with the national team has said, oh, I feel more comfortable like coming down, receiving the ball from the center backs And when not like being the Frankie of Ajax, obviously in Barcelona, Xavi wants him like, dude, like stay up top, like between lines, like don't, don't come down. That's Busquets. You don't worry about that. But my, but my problem is, it's just that what, what I was, what I was saying about the fee, if it, in my opinion, if it doesn't have a, an eight to start, then we might as well just keep him. I completely also understand the salary part of it, but to me, it just, I just refuse, and maybe I'm being stubborn, I'll admit it. If we just, we just, we're about to activate a few le economic levers, the BLM one, then the TV rights, depending how many we can get for each 10% and whatnot. Plus, which I think this will be the difficult part, getting rid of players. It, it would be so sad, in my opinion, that we got to a point where we had to sell Frankie for 65, 70, because we needed to get rid of his salary that was going to increase so bad. To me, that would be the worst case scenario in that aspect, because then we got deferred salary because we got to pay like Pique, Busquets, Jordi Alba, who at the start of it, 
it like it made it seem like oh no the captains are taking one for the club no they're not they're they're just like they're getting their money regardless like to me you're taking one for the club if you renounce that money whether it's 5 10 15 20 whatever that may be but if you're just deferring money like Messi also did that at the end of the day like you're 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 quote unquote helping the team at this stage at this moment but down the road you're still going to get paid or you will get paid that amount of money so i just wanted to throw that a little bit out there because to me like a team like oh my god the mighty captains are out there yeah. like to save barcelona no they're not they're getting I mean, their money it's just being deferred so from, yeah from a very cold i mean uh, yeah. approach here and I, I think my wife gets on me a bit as, as a business person <laughs> myself which is where sometimes I think, you know, my desire to placate kind of gets in my own way as a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, if you will. And I, I feel like when it comes to PK and Busquets and Alba, this is, again, going back to the Bartomeu thing, right? Like, you understand that the price at the time felt like to win it because they just won the treble and it was time to renew those deals. And they also, you know, they were the backbone of the team. They were legends of the club. And with Mel, with Messi in the salary structure, they were due the wages they were due based on his number. And so that was the argument that it kind of had to be done, that the club at the time led by Bartomeu and his financial crew, uh, Carlos Dusquets, was, was, was hampered and they had to make those deals. But in the same regard, because they had to make those deals, they're being victimized by their own success and the success of the greatest player of all time. Right. And that's going to continue to be a truth, a sad truth. So my thing for PK and I know pe people say Puyol did it, but you know, I, I think if the deals were done and the, the handshakes were made, like those players are going to get theirs. Like, and, and it's for the club moving forward, it's for them to, to solve that problem. Right. And you can't, you can't make this argument that, you know, obviously Busquets in his head is not saying that I'm overpaid. He's saying I'm the captain of Barcelona and I'm still very, very valuable to this team, right? Like we're making this, this idea that these players have to convince themselves of what the, the worst of us believe that how come PK can't accept that? How come Alba can't accept that he's washed when I'm here on the show, always arguing with people like good luck getting rid of Alba. Because again, if I'm going to read off the numbers for Frankie Young as an argument as to how he may not necessarily fit in the way that Kool-Aid would want him to, which would be taking over that pivot role in the long term. Then I need you also look at the same stats for Alba and you understand why he's paid what he's paid as a left back in that market. But, you know, I, I think from a sporting sense, maybe it's me going a little bit in football manager mode or it's a game actually I never played, but even, uh, even FIFA, which RIP, by the way, uh, with EA sports. And that's, that's a show for another time, Rafa, uh, between you and I, but if it's the young out for fit, and then because of the economic levers, right? If let's say it's a less, the rest of the economic levers, and uh, I'm tired of saying those terms, but let's say those are used for the short-term debt that we have talked about before, like the, the and, and potentially deferred payments. And potentially, I, again, I'm kind of against the termination of those contracts, but if the, if the termination of those contracts, you know, frees up salary even next season or, or, in, or even post-January to, to June, then, then I guess so be it, right? If that's if the club feels like it's necessary to bite the bull on some of these contracts, then then so be it, and use the the again the economic funds that are coming into debt along with the short term debt. But again, if it's almost not a swap because Man City doesn't want this, but if you're selling De Young at 25 years old for 90 plus add-ons, and from City you're giving them 85 to 90 million for Bernardo Silva, who will be 28 in August, but he fits better than. It's it's it feels like a like for like swap in that instance. 
And there's a way, there's a way forward for me to talk myself into Bernardo Silva, because how could you not talk yourself into Bernardo Silva, right? 50 games, 13 goals, seven assists, sure. But his versatility playing as that a high interior for Pep Guardiola, being able to play on the wing is do all everything midfielder who just, again, just a superb player. Bernardo Silva is a top shelf, top class player. He's one of those players that elevates your team into we're contending for Champions League in the same way that we expect Frankie de Young to do. It's it's not much different, except de Young, as I talked about, even though he's constantly in the box, constantly in a spot to create non-penalty goals, he still only had four goals and five assists in 46 matches this year, which, believe it or not, based on his locations on the field, you'd expect would be a little bit more. Bernardo Silva does have those finishing products. So, it, yeah, I can, again, see myself talking into it, but in, in reality, why would Man City at any point placate this other than the relationship between... I mean, I did the Ferran Torres 55 million. Did that help, you know, set the table for this? Or again, is it Jorge Mendez trying to use his bargaining power to take a little bit more of a foothold for uh, in, in FC Barcelona? But yeah, I mean, it's been funny watching the press conference this week between Guardia and Laporta, Laporta openly joking about Bernardo Silva. That, that To me, that actually kind of kills it, right? That kind of kills it because it's like, we're all, you know, those guys are smart and they know each other a long time. They're just saying the quiet part out loud. Like, hey, we know you guys know about this Bernardo Silva stuff. We know this is real, like, right? Like they wouldn't joke about it if it wasn't, you know, completely, totally out there. So that's why I think this 85 to 90 million from Bernardo Silva is, is a bit, I'm not sure, like it, it, it should work economically, but sporting wise, I don't know. Where do you land on this? The Rafa? thing is, I, I understand the, would Bernardo Silva be a better fit in this interior role that is like the complexity of Barcelona's midfield, which is, kind of true because it is we've seen so many people try and fail in this role um <clears throat> Coutinho but the thing is I understand that part but to me that still or at least shouldn't be a reason for us to either undersell Frankie or overpay for Bernardo yeah Bernardo is amazing he's really good he had an incredible season um last uh last year but in my opinion, two years ago, they're, they're like according to reports and whatnot, he was being thrown in the mix with almost two more players and plus money, if you believe reports, for Messi. So to me, it's kind of mind-boggling that now he has an 80, 90 million euro tag on him just because he would be a great fit for us. But generally speaking, it's like, Frankie should be either the same or even higher because he's three or four years younger. So to me, it's kind of, again, mind boggling that we would sell Frankie for that or a little bit less and then pay City that. And then I don't buy City. Like, you, we got a saying like here in, in Puerto Rico, it's like they, Pep, Chiqui, Soriano, they, to me, maybe I like to, I'm like, not pessimistic i'm like like worry every time like every word that i look like to me it's i think twice when if something's too good to be true that they made it seem like all oh, the good boys at city x barcelona they're doing us a favor like whoa wait a minute they they didn't sell us ferran very cheaply to begin with like 55 for ferran is not cheap by any means And then if they do end up selling Bernardo, it's not like 80 million. They're doing us a favor. Like, oh, just because it's Barcelona, we'll be cool with you, Laporta and all culés. 
well, just 80, just give us 80 and we'll call it, a, we'll call it a deal. Like, no, 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 no. Like they're, they're not dumb. Like Guardiola has, doesn't have a single hair on his head. Uh, like in, in Spanish, we say that like, no tienen ni un pelo de tonto. Like obviously he doesn't have any hair, but like, he's not dumb. Farran Soriano is not dumb. Chiqui Beristein is not dumb. So to me also that narrative of like, Oh, the good guys at City, they're doing us a favor. No, they're not. So let, let's stop it there. For um, I, I just have like this a little bit I thing with City and how sometimes they try and make it seem that narrative that they're helping us, but I don't think they are a lot of times. They wanted to take Messi. Like, I'll never forget that. But yeah, that, that, I, that's, that's the whole point that I, I want to make because I know I like went a little sideways even i mentioned messi and uh that in uh summer of 2020 but that's the whole point i completely agree with you that bernardo silva would probably be a way better fit in that interior role next to pedri than frankie is it's just the the what worries me is this whole the the price of one versus the price of another one when we have the younger one with, in my opinion, the higher ceiling, uh, everything. So it would just be, it would, again, I, it would bother me to no extent if we undersold Frankie and then see him flourish wherever that may be. That would sting for a long time to me. Yeah, and I, I just want to reiterate again that just because you bring in a Bernardo Silva doesn't mean it would be a completely perfect fit. But again, I said this when I first heard this a month ago, that it doesn't sit with me well that De Jong has really never got a full run of games at that pivot spot, that we really haven't truly seen what that experiment looks like. And especially if Xavi is going to play three at the back, I'd be really curious to see what he would look like as a third center back. Like even if you need to still replace Busquets and De Jong doesn't solve that problem, De Jong might Uh, in, De Jong might mitigate some of that problem. Like he might actually make it a bit easier for the profile you're looking for with Busquets. Now, you know, we know going back in time that the way Xavi wants to play is very similar to the way Corey played with that dream team when you had Kuman in the middle and you had Guardiola, you still needed Guardiola, even though Kuman would those progressive carries and would get forward, and then you still needed Guardiola to be the, the mastermind of everything, to be the pivot, to, to do his job and shuttle that ball side to side. So, you know, we would, See, we need a little bit of history repeating itself in that way. Um, but I, I, to my knowledge, I don't know if we've ever seen De Jong as a center back and Busquets as a as the pivot for more than like 35 minutes in the second half of a game, if I'm not mistaken, maybe one or two times. And it wasn't this season. It was definitely last season under Kuman for sure. So, yeah, on the Bernard, uh, Bernardo Silva piece, as you said, yeah, I mean, I think De Jong is worth 90 plus add-ons. Is that what? I mean, what does Man United get out of the deal, right? If they're just trying to, to go for broke there, and then obviously Man City doesn't need the funds. They already paid for Holland. Uh, they're just looking for 85 to 90 million euros. And it would be a lot about Bernardo Silva asking for a release to from Guardiola. And I'm not sure if I'm totally on board with that either. Again, Jorge Mendez is the, is the agent for Bernardo Silva. So again, uh, you're talking about since the passing of Riola, you're talking about probably the the most powerful, yeah, the number one agent in all of football at the moment. So, all right. So I, I, the one good 
thing to report though from the young and uh so when all that stuff is the fact that i like that man city and barcelona are teaming up to play in that friendly at the end of august to raise funds and awareness for als juan carlos unze who has been living with als for ma- uh, manager assistant manager i should say assistant coach for the first team he has been a huge figure in the fight for awareness against the disease since he was diagnosed a few years ago so just a great cause that's, that's happening and really to me at the end of august a great tune-up for the season it's happening at the camp no so no offense to the gamper trophy which i it's against Roma this year, but I think this was going to overshadow that one just a little bit, right? It's a, a different glorified friendly. And I, I'm always screaming Gampere trophy propaganda and just telling people like, hey, it's a trophy. Not, not that it matters like the Copa de Rey or anything. Well, but we're playing against the Darth Lord, Darth Sidious of football, that gun. Correct. Correct. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a, a studs up tackle by Mourinho himself with, <laughs> with cleats on, <laughs> on somebody taking a throw in in the first two minutes. And, uh, to, to, to bring that one to do a, to a high pitch. So, all right, we have yet to speak about Lewandowski on this show, so let's do that. Uh, but there's not much to add, right? It's another week and it's another saga. And Bayern Munich, though, I have to say, they're not a team that I am comfortable being in some kind of saga with because the saga does feel dead on arrival. Like, it's not like so many other clubs, right? Like Juventus, as we know with Arthur and Milan Pjanic, Juventus is just like Barcelona, where they're they're fine just having this, this whisper down the alley for a whole summer. Like, do you want our player? No, we'll take your player. Uh, do you want to, whose player do you want? Uh, we're late with the, because like the Angel Di Maria thing with Barca and Juve is awesome because it's a free transfer for either team. And both teams are like, well, we want him, but we don't entirely want him. And Di Maria's like, I haven't made the lineup yet. <laughs> right. And it's just like, it feels like what um, my wife says I like to do is it's like low stakes argument. And it's basically like low stakes, like find your destination. But Lewandowski, this doesn't seem low stakes. This seems entirely just beyond high stakes that Lewandowski is is very publicly burning bridges with Bayern Munich but he isn't because Bayern is saying you have a contract left and Bayern have done this before in the past like whether or not you think you're a free agent you're not because you have a year left on your deal and we want to see you lead our line again you had had almost 50 goals last year you're leading our line so when Bayern says no they're one of the few clubs in the world that I believe uh, and I know that they've, they've been said that once Sadio Mane comes in, then that meant that Bar- that uh, Bayern rather were going to be more willing to accept an offer from Barcelona. But again, if Bayern is saying 50 or 60, and that's what we're going to start with, and if you can't read that, then we don't have a negotiation, then Barcelona have to walk away. And they're going to have to figure it out without Lewandowski this year. And that's what that is. So I don't know, Rafa, do you think that, so we're not in the prediction game, but do you think this saga, because I think if it carries on longer, it, it, there's a better chance of Lewandowski coming to Barcelona. But if this saga shuts down in the next like week or two, it's over, right? Like, So do you think this is going to shut down? He's a Bayern player. You think this is going to carry on to eventually him being a Barcelona player? I think this is a matter of, and honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to uh, read the comments on, on the video to see who, what people think. Are Bayern bluffing or not? Do you think they're bluffing or not? Because to me, it comes down to that. Like, I don't think Oliver Kahn scares me. He scared me when he was a goalkeeper when I was younger, and he still does scare me when I see him. So when he says in a stubborn German way that he still has a contract, that worries me because even though reporters close to Barcelona have said that, no, now the economic levers, now we have the money, Lewandowski's comments, Pini Sahavia's comments, like Bayern are a club that if they – don't want to, they won't sell Lewandowski. Right. So, and they've been very vocal about him 
not leaving. Like he still has a year left. They've been very, very vocal to me. It's kind of it's crazy because I don't know what to believe because like the Catalan press has been so positive. Like, oh, this could happen. It probably will. Now that and then after the economic levers were approved, they were full on. Oh, Lewandowski, now we got money. This is gonna happen. But then you look at the Bayern side and the way they're reacting and and whatnot, and you're like, I don't know how this side's like optimistic way of looking at everything translates because then you look at the German side of it and you're like, it doesn't look yeah, like they're going to sell him. But does it translate if Bayern has set the number of 50 or 55 million and Barcelona are now financially able to pay that number? As in people behind the scenes are accepting that De Young is gone. They understand that Bernardo Silva probably isn't on the way. And if you get rid of a, three or four other players off that off those wages then you have 50 million to burn for Lewandowski and then the question becomes for you though Rafa is Lewandowski for 50 million euros to play with who's 34 with one year left on his on his deal as much as the he will bang in 30 goals next year but is that are, are those 30 goals for next season when you have to again renegotiate a new deal and the wages he'll be on will likely potentially limit other moves but again we're in the we're back half of june already so like again the deals that barcelona are making i think we've already heard so many of the names as i said before i think you have to believe the smoke about marco alonso and Azpilicueta, uh basically all of chelsea's back line that didn't go to real madrid and rudiger so yeah i think if because the main problem of barcelona isn't having money for the actual transfer fee it's registering players and dealing with the right. salary cap and all that. So I do think Barcelona have the economic muscle to afford, let's say, a 50 million offer for Lewandowski and a 60 to 70, 60 with maybe 10 in add-ons for Kunde. And yeah. those two would be well, the big signings. Right, we understand and then the rest. Stand, but should they, Rafa? That's the question. They, right? I think, should they? I think... They should because just looking at it from a business standpoint, this is all down to results and whatnot. And then if you have an attractive team, that then you can sell to sponsors and whatnot. And next season, we got to be honest, like goals sell tickets and sell things. And right now, we... I don't know. We, we can't rely as much as it pains me, Dan. You know how much I love him. You know how much I love Ansu Fati. I love that kid. I know. I know but I know. we can't rely. We can't plan, plan for next season on if Ansu Fati's healthy, yada, yada, yada. Because sadly, he hasn't been, and we don't know if he's healthy at all right yeah. now. So on top of that, 11 I was against offering even 40 for Lewandowski, I would say a month ago, but how things have gone now, I think if it's if it takes 50, then whatever, let's just get it done with. Because in my opinion, that would also benefit Ansu in the in a way that would take a little bit of pressure off. Because let's be honest, last season, Ansu, we needed Ansu. Oh, Ansu could be ready, and he the perfect scenario would be four weeks. We need Ansu back in two weeks, two weeks before that. And then he has that pressure that not only does he have to come back before 
whatever that time frame might be, he is the main source before Obama Yang, maybe a little bit less after Obama Yang came in, but he's the main goal scorer for Barcelona or the one that just creates everything. Yeah. And he has that pressure that doesn't help him with everything else that's going on. So if you have a Lewandowski, technically, there's not that big of a rush to have Ansu come back. And like, let's say, God forbid, preseason, and he's still not ready, ready to start the season. You could be like, let's just take it easier with Ansu because we will have Ferran. We will have Lewandowski, and then we can just surround Lewandowski with whoever the hell we have, yeah. plus Pedri and company. And that should be enough to battle against Madrid in the league and be with them ahead of the World Cup break. And then that, again, should be enough to qualify for the round of 16 of the Champions League. And then we'll see how the team is after the World Cup, injuries, fatigue, and whatnot. That, then we can reassess. But if we have Lewandowski, just with him alone, we should advance to the round of 16 of the Champions League and be in the fight for La Liga until the World Cup break. So yeah. I think I, that's a yes from me because even though it, it pains me to give in to Bayern and their stubborn ways, at the end of the day, I think we would get the last laugh, not only with Lewandowski, but going forward because when hopefully, eventually, Barcelona are in a better economic situation, if we ever go head-to-head with Bayern for a signing, we're probably winning that, I would say, 70% or 80% of the time because, let's be honest, living in Barcelona, living in Munich, uh, I think that alone, if the economic offers are around the same, yeah. I think we would get the last laugh eventually down the road. Yeah, I mean, so, I, think, I think every player is different, but yeah, it's Eugenio Death's thing. Like, we, we always... I, again, I have a problem because I'm American, but I always <laughs> am interested to hear when what other people always say about Sergino Des. I just think they're not really talking about him, but I, I was kind of humbled a little bit because, you know, I, I work with some people who are related to the U.S. men's national team here. And, you know, they kind of try to put me in my place because I was like, you know, Des is injured a lot. You know, we don't know where he's going to be, his club future. And then they kind of shut me up and reminded me, like, you know, obviously Americans can't complain one of their players at Barcelona, sure. But part two of that is that, even when he's on the field, though, like he fought his way back into Xavi's team. And if he does leave, he's likely going to Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich still sees something in Jardino Dest. And Dest at the time had chosen Barcelona, whether it's because he was going to get more minutes, which obviously he did. He got his chances. He's been hurt, whatever. But speaking of not really Dest, but of that right wing and of that forward line, we're going to wrap up the show with another quick thing about Dembele. Because now we're at the phase where I feel like we entered a new chapter this week. When that fan from the car or from when Dembele was in his car and that fan said, where are you going to be playing? And he's like, oh, man, probably Barcelona. <laughs> and so I feel like we turned a corner. And I think some of the news kind of um, responded not to that, obviously, it's just some, you know, something that goes viral. But apparently PSG and Chelsea have lost interest, uh, the clubs, though Tuchel is still very open to having him come to London. So the door to Chelsea is still open. It seems like PSG, that door was shut within 48 hours of that report coming out. And I think that leaves Barcelona with some interesting options on the wings and does make a question the Lewandowski thing, right? Where the options are you renew Dembele at a smaller number, as we know, or you keep your, 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 your number. And if his team doesn't accept that, then I guess he's going to Chelsea on a smaller number because they're 
upset with the Barcelona number. I, I'm not sure what the, exactly what the numbers and figures are, but it's not, I think Chelsea will are be willing to do more wages per week for him. And then Di Maria on a free, as I said, is I think the backup plan for Dembele if, if Di Maria doesn't go to uh, Juve. Or you promote Abde and you take a long, hard look at Trincao and Callado. And I say all those things as options, you know, three and four, if you will, or I think that's option three, all three of those players and see which of the three, right? You kind of like Jackson Pollock get all against the wall and say, Abde, Trincao, Callado, we've got to get, we've got to get eight goals out of one of those players. You got to get, or, or you got to get 14 goals out of all three of them or 12 goals or 14 is a lot for those three. So let's say eight, I'm going to say eight for all three of them or whatever it is, but I don't know, losing Dembele, you're going to, you didn't get many goals out of him either. So you need chance creation. So let's actually reassess that and say, we need Abde, Trincao, and Callado in total to create 10 goals over the course of a season. I think that's totally fair if all three are around. And I think Trincao and Callado, only one of the two will be sticking around. And I say all that before mentioning Rafinha because at 65 million to 75 million, you know, we're talking about Bernardo Silva. We're talking about Lewandowski. And the level between those players and, you know, no disrespect to Rafinha, but there's a huge gap there. Like I know Rafinha has, has become the buzz. And again, he is much younger, sure. But... Like there is a proven product. You are buying Bernardo Silva at 27, about to be 28 in August in the prime of his career. You are, for Lewandowski, his 34, as I mentioned before, is most players 27. So in theory, you are, same thing with Queen Benzema, you are signing a player at the peak of their powers at the moment. Like Lewandowski is not showing any, any sign of showing down, uh, slowing down. Does he pressure? No. Does he tackle? Not really. But he also scores goals. And that's exactly what you're asking him to do. So, yeah, like, what is Dembele waiting for? I don't know. Like, it wasn't the kid, actually, that video. It was that we are in, we are in the third week of June, and his contract is up in nine days, June 30th. That's when Dembele's contract is up. And I don't think he has something lined up. I really don't. I think Barcelona are the safety option, but Barcelona is also, you know, very much like going to prom, Rafa, where... It, you know, we are the safe option and Dembele went out, tried to, to ask the popular girls and the popular girls all said no, or all said, ah, let me think about it. I, I want to see what my other options are. And Dembele waited and Dembele waited and Dembele waited, but obviously Dembele doesn't really like our mom and dad. You know, it's, it was a weird house. We're just, you know, we're, we're not cool enough or whatever it may be. Um, we're a little awkward, but Dembele is going to wind up saying, if I want to go to the prom next year, I'm going to have to set up for Barcelona. And that was a bad analogy, but I, I, I guess I guess my prom experiences are coming out here. We're airing these grievances late in the summer podcast. This is where this is where I could, these are these moments, <laughs> Rafa. But yeah, please save me from. No, uh, the thing with Dembele is I don't know what the hell will happen because like you said, I don't think even he knows or Sissoko knows. So at the end of the day, if you told me Dembele will will end up staying at Barcelona, I could believe you. If you tell me he's going to go, I could believe you as well. I have no idea what he's going to do because I think he has no idea what he's going to do. But I do know that as a – I think the, the conundrum in this whole Dembele saga is, I, in my opinion, I think if it was up to Mateo Aleman, Mateo Aleman would have told Shizoko and Dembele to F off a long time ago. Yeah, probably. But I think it's Xavi, Xavi for whatever, well, not for whatever reason. We, we know the reason. Exactly, we know the reason. Xavi believes in him. Yeah. He knows what, even with all his faults, that Dembele still has a ton of faults, 
We know, like, he was the top assister of La Liga without having played, I think, for half the season. And that was with him making a bunch of horrible mistakes, a bunch of horrible decisions and whatnot. So that just shows goes to show how the, his ceiling, how high it is if he manages, whether he does or doesn't remains to be seen, to pull, like, like clean up his mistakes, which, in my opinion, are a lot. But Xavi believes in him so much, so I think that's why... I mean, I must push back on that, though. I must push back on his mistakes. Like, his mistakes based on his wages are still, we'll say, too high, or his contributions don't meet his wages. But if he signs on for the wages that Barcelona will have, would like to have him on, if you're... If you're just providing again that end product of assists that he's doing, if he's defending the way he defended under Xavi, and if you are getting the Xavi version of Dembele, he is absolutely worth renewing. He is absolutely worth just sucking up the pride and renewing Dembele. Like you, you have to do that. And I, like I, I do back up what Xavi is seeing as well. Like I think he really did iron out so many of those mistakes. Like I, I think maybe it was because they were on a 15 game unbeaten streak, but those all those those idiots and nincompoops down in the in the comments that are always talking about how he doesn't have a footballing brain. Like he was like, he shut them up quite a bit. I mean, because he only, I mean, doing those match reviews again, I would kind of make a note for myself. Like, do I have to, cause Demelay is so polarizing. Like unlike players like Gabi, who did he have a good game or did he have a bad game? I don't know. He had a 17 year old game and it was fine. Like he did, he did his work. Like it was, it was, he, it was a yeoman's job. Right. So it's like, I would never go in the negative for Xavi because of his age. And then players like Alba, like Alba really always had to impress me for me to bring up Alba. That's just how outside backs tend to be. Your desk really had to impress or get turned inside out to be brought up. But before Dembele, I felt like every game, he was either a positive or a negative. And so many times throughout his career, like I would try to be a little bit of a Dembele apologist, but I understood that if you turn the, the ball over at midfield, you are, you are a net negative for your team. You are putting your team in a bad spot and Barcelona does not have the institutional speed on defense or, again, whether it's Busquets and Piquet, any combination that doesn't have a Rajo, and they are they are in trouble on transition, in transition when Dembele loses the ball. But he didn't lose the ball at midfield. Like, at, at, at I mean, he did sometimes, but very rarely. And, like, I found that with the exception of, I believe it was the Osasuna match, I always say I believe it was the Osasuna match, but whether it was the Osasuna match, and it was, like, one or two others where he straight up didn't show up, where from minute two, I was like, Demolé is disengaged, I don't know what it is, like, he's not showing up today. But by and large, he showed up week in and week out, game in and game out for Xavi in the second half of the season. And as I, I keep reiterating, I understand that we have this belief of what Demolé is, and what the worst of Dembélé can provide you, because that is a player who's going to turn it over at midfield, who is not going to deliver a finishing ball. But Xavi's Dembélé is the one I want, and the one that I, I think this club desperately does need to renew. Like, but I, I'll I add another thing. That now, I'll, I'll, I know it's your podcast, but I want to ask you a question because it's about Dembélé as well. Yeah. The thing is, I think we can all agree that if it's near the right sum for Barcelona. Obviously, we do. We care about Barcelona. We don't care about Dembélé's personal like preferences and whatnot. If it's the right amount for Barcelona, then why not? So that's what to me it's it's a little bit mind boggling from a Barcelona standpoint. I know that personally, Dembélé, of course, he's gonna want and his agent the higher offer and whatnot. But he has like he he has been injured for the most part of the five years that he's been at Barcelona this yeah. season, he didn't play 
obviously that injury was with the French national team during the summer, but he came back, what, around October, November, something like that. So at the end of the day, in my opinion, is I get it from his point that, oh, he's entering, you could say, the start of his prime and whatnot. But to us, for the amount we paid, for how you've treated us and your agent, for you haven't been reliable whatsoever from a health standpoint. I I haven't even gotten to the outside stuff that we've heard from him. So at the end of the day, it's like, if it's a fee that benefits Barcelona, yeah. then I, well, no, I could I be in that and swallow our pride. I have to trust Alemani and the club at this point. Like, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but right now he makes around, the reported number is 20 uh, 20 million in annual gross, uh, 20 million, which puts him just behind Alba uh, by like 830,000 and behind Busquets as the third highest owner for, Bar- uh, earner for Barcelona, which makes sense based on the contract he was given and all that stuff. Sure. So obviously he fell so much, so short of that. I think the club is at the table with eight or nine, which puts in nine, puts him right around where Ter Stegen is right behind Pedri and Memphis and PK. So I think even 10, like, which is what Memphis is at. Like, I could see the club even even giving 10. And I think his group is coming to the table between 12 and 15, which if De Young is gone and Busquets and Alba are gone, that means that Dembele is your highest earner. And I know Ansu and Pedri's will both be going up as well. So by that point, Ansu might actually overtake Dembele in like two years' time. But so I, I think that's that's where what you're sitting on, right? I think that the club is a number, and I agree with the club. Again, I will back them and Alamandi, even if there's no other answer. Like, again, I did the La Masia thing because I tell you that if you're going to bring any player up from the academy, it's going to be a 17-year-old winger or an 18-year-old winger or a 19-year-old winger. That's who you bring into the first team. Like, that's the ones. Like, because Abde, I mean, winger is one of those positions where if you bring a center back up who's 17, 18 years old and they get destroyed by Lewandowski, like, that can destroy a young player's career. But a winger, he's 17 or 18 or 19. You say, hey, you're fine. You're a year or two away from the first team, but we need you in this moment. But we don't need you, need you. See what you can do. And that's why wingers and attacking midfielders, they always get their chances in FA Cups and Copa del Reyes. And like those are the positions where, again, it doesn't derail career. So I could see Xavi putting a bit of trust in, like, is it time for Ilash Komas, right? He finally scored a few in the second half of last season, but he was still playing with the Juvenil Oz and barely breaking the Barca B. And this year would be his first year full if in Barca B, if you will. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm stuck in two minds. That I know that Barcelona cannot replace everything that Dembele would give. And they're a better team with him. Full stop. Like, there is nobody to be brought in that's going to be an upgrade on Dembele. It's just, it's not possible. He doesn't exist on the market. Dembele is truly special in that way. But as I said, I agree with you that the club cannot go higher than whatever their limit is, which I think is 10. And they should not go higher than 10. That's it. The buck stops there. And if he, if Dembele is a player they cannot accept to go lower than that, and Chelsea are willing to pay 12 or 13, then he is gone. But I don't think Chelsea is willing to do that. And I think that's why this is so interesting. That's why the, 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 this, this final chapter is so crazy to me because I don't think Barcelona gave me the team that be the club to concede. I don't think Barcelona's going to do 12 to 13 because again, now they're back to negotiating where, yeah, we need you. We want you. And you played well here, but if you want another contract when you're 27, 28, if you're going to try to sign on a three to four year deal, playing with us and playing that way is maybe your best opportunity to do that. Because if Chelsea doesn't hit you with 12 or 13, PSG doesn't want you, you don't have another place to go. Because there are like when the merry-go-round goes around, 
I don't know how many other clubs have 12 or 13 in gross annual euro, like million euros on their, like just sitting there waiting for Dembele. I don't think it exists anymore already in, in, in the third week of June before any of these contracts are officially, officially yeah. signed. So and I'll give you the last word on Dembele. No, yeah. no. At the end of the day, also, it's what you said, like it's, there's nine days left because what happens if the, the, the ball game changes? Because now technically it would count. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You're like the technical whiz with all these things. Technically, try, it would count. As, right? Still count would, fingers on my toes. I just want to warn people. <laughs> it would count as a renewal if it happened before the end of June. But if it happens after he's a free agent and Barcelona haven't activated the economic levers, right. then it's still that like four to one or three yep. to one thing that whatever. So, exactly. so they got to get it done. Yeah, exactly. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next nine days, because after that, if we do end up activating the economic levers and hopefully get those 600 million euros that apparently we're going to need to go back to the one by one rule, one-to-one rule, however you say it, then all focus is going to be on Robert Lewandowski and Jules Kunde, not on Usman Dembele. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a great point because I, 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 I wasn't even thinking about Dembele. Honestly, I guess like, oh, it's gotten cold and whatnot. But thinking about that rule and that it would count as a renewal, I think now because of that, these last nine days, we could see something that's that could go from being really cold, cold to all of a sudden, oh my God, Dembele, Sissoko's back with Mateo Aleman, like because of that specifically. Yeah. So and, yeah, in the same regard, like Gabi is not yet official. It is not yet official. It will be in the next few days. But again, that one also has nine days to be signed. So I think at some point we have to say, okay, at least like, right. Like we felt like Gabi and Araujo was going to happen the whole time, but also like there's a chance where it doesn't. And so when Gabi finally does sign also, you know, a little clap for the club and they'll clap for Alemani. Okay. Thank goodness that one's done as well, because that's going to be, that's hugely important to get done. So, all right. Speaking of getting done, Rafa, we are done with another show. Somehow we almost got an hour of yada, yada, yada talking out that's of what we do. a little bit of Frankie the young and transfer rumors. So yeah, right. None of these deals might happen, right? Like it's just like, it just, it, Frankie the young might be the only player at Barcelona next season uh, of, of all the players we just named. Who knows? So Rafa, again, people can follow you down in the show notes below, always doing his thing down in Puerto Rico. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Rafa. And thanks again for you, the listeners for tuning in our show. Again, uh, if you're here with us still, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, YouTube, the merch store, the merch. I'm going to, I got to keep shouting again, not a very good entrepreneur. I gave that away already. So I got to do a plug on social media work for me to do on the backhand, but yeah, we have a merch store. And again, the YouTube is where I came up with that La Masia video from earlier in the week. So it's like 15 minutes long. So it's a whole little thing you can, you can do when you're, uh, I don't know. Don't walk your dog with doing it, but just give it a watch. But anyway, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.